What if the Len Bias story is about University of Maryland phenom, who was the second pick of the 1986 draft, who went to the Celtics and just two days later had one of the most tragic and shocking deaths in sports history? The podcast investigates how Bias's death changed the trajectory of NBA history, sparked America's cocaine panic, and made a lasting impact on the world of sports and far beyond. Check out What If the Len Bias Story on the Book of Basketball 2.0 feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome to Ringer FC. I'm not Ryan Hun. I'm not Musa Kwanga. I'm Chris Ryan, but I will be joined by those two lovely gentlemen in just a minute. What we got here for you today is the recording from a green room that we did where uh, Ryan, Musa, and I reacted to two classic Euros matches. Euro 2020 officially got started today. It's been going on for a few weeks now, but man, a 5-3 classic in Spain and Croatia and then a 3-3 knockout dragout fight between... France and Switzerland that ends in penalty kicks with France going out, the World Cup holders going out on a Kylian Mbappe miss from the spot. Switzerland advances, Spain advances. We talk about both of those matches. We talked a little bit about Germany and England tomorrow. So fire it up. Let's get into it. You guys, I want. I thought we could officially start this off. First of all, thanks to everybody who's joining us here in Green Room to talk about this amazing day of football. And Musa, this is this is uh, Sid Lowe's lead from his gamer on Spain Croatia. Okay, this was a scoreline from another age and a match for the ages. And I feel like that could sum up what we saw today in some ways. Just these electrifying uh, a three three. Uh, clash between Switzerland and France with Mbappe missing a pen at the end to send France home. And then the previous match, which was an absolute just middleweight classic, you know, of just guys trading body blows all day between Croatia and Spain. Uh, were these were these matches for the ages? Yeah, but also performances. Like, I, I, I tweeted just before that, like, basically... 
the sheer number of players, if you make notes of the sheer number of players just off the top of my head who gave performances, I think I mentioned Pogba, Chaka, Modric in particular, and Murata, who gave performances that were emblematic of their entire careers, which is really weird if you think about it. Like they basically were like, okay, if you, if you had to explain my career in 90 minutes or two hours in some cases, this would be the game you'd look at. Like Pogba, for example, like, you know, looking at wire comparisons, I just thought to myself, when I saw Pogba's got a penalty, I thought, Pogba don't scare. Like Pogba, if Pogba basically had missed his penalty, he would have been the scapegoat because he lost possession sure. in what the last, uh, in injury time, but he came up and scored that penalty like that. Like that says everything about him. And then you also look at Murata. Murata basically misses a really easy headed chance. Is offside and should have had a goal for that against Croatia, but then steps up with the hardest chance of them all. That is the that is the Murata conundrum. So there's, it was fascinating not only because the games were amazing, but the the individual narratives within those games were also historic in a way. The Murata finish was just sublime. What, what an amazing like control and then top shelf of the net. Ryan, for you, let's start with the most recent event. Does Mbappe's miss? Uh, mean anything more than it means? Is it just, is it just like he was probably gassed? Seemed like he came up a little bit injured towards the end of of extra time, and he just look, he just guessed wrong, and and Summer got him. I was I always have a tricky thing with penalty shootouts, to be honest, because I think that the best players of all time have missed penalties, and when and where that happens is kind of it's not irrelevant. But I think that a lot of people put too much importance or they attach too much grand meaning of someone's career. They they let something like a penalty miss define someone's career too quickly. I think Mbappe's performance over... I would be less concerned about the penalty miss as opposed to his performances over the tournament as a whole. That's the thing, I think, for me that was more worrying. Because I think this was someone who... I think has been used to playing for France in a certain way. I think adding Benzema into that changes that front three it adds a different dynamic especially because he's someone who has been maligned from the squad for a long long time for reasons we all know about with the pending court case and I think adding but from a purely footballing point of view France have got used to playing a very certain way for a while yeah adding that back in there all of a sudden before a major tournament as good as a player as Benzema is I think it creates different problems and creates a different balance and especially when you've got someone like Mbappe who's established himself now as a world great one of the great young players in world football he wasn't even what he was like 16 or something last time Benzema played for France so I hope that he doesn't get a huge amount of criticism because of the penalty miss if people do want to criticize him about stuff then I think it would be more fair to do so for certain traits within the the actual open play performances if that makes right sense. though he was he was one of the creative engines. I think he he either had the hockey assist on one of Benzema's goals and set up the other one. Musa, what did you think of Mbappe's performance today? It worried me. It worried me because he couldn't lose his men in traffic. Um, there were a couple of times uh, in the first half when you saw passes played into him and he wasn't the same wavelength as Griezmann in particular. Uh, and it, it didn't always seem like he was part of a cohesive attacking hole, if that makes sense. It was really strange because everyone else looked like they were in sync, but he didn't. And even in the earlier games, when you see him connecting with Pogba, it was almost like, it sounds strange to say, it's almost like that that relationship hadn't fully developed since 2018. It was almost like it had been 
arrested in its development by the introduction of this new piece of alien technology in the form of Mbappe, uh, <laughs> sorry, in the form of uh, Benzema. And also the other weird thing was, look, I really liked the 3-4-3 formation on paper, but it was a hell of a curveball to throw at your players. And also, I'm going to sound really harsh here, but a back three, everyone was like, oh, wow, the back three, more solidity. I'm like, a back three of Kimpembe and Longley and Varane does not give me an astonishing amount of confidence because right. two of those three players are not particularly assertive in aerial situations. And it was awful. Like my, my precise fears are realized. Longley beaten for the first goal and then Kimpembe beaten in a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, for the third goal. And everyone was like, oh my goodness, that's happened. It's like, yeah, but Kimpembe has been doing that all season. Mm -hmm. Like, Kempembe is really, really good on the front foot if there's a defender behind him, but as the sole defender in a central situation of one-on-one, -on -one, he's been doing that all year. And the worst thing was so many parts of this France performance were foreshadowed. They were so many of them. I know it sounds weird, but like, there were so many moments in this performance I was just like, I can see X happening and X happened. Right, right. Well, and the, the microcosm is the last 10 minutes, right? It's the 80 to 90 time when, when Switzerland just comes storming back. And I don't know whether or not France thought that they were cruising, cruising into out of this game and they thought they had it yeah. wrapped up. But I also thought there was a little bit of... Um, things changed a little bit when Giroud came on for Benzema. I thought Giroud had two, two chances that I, I wonder whether Benzema, for sure, he might have been gassed. He might have been out of energy by the end of that match. But I wonder if Benzema finishes one of those two chances that, that Drew had, I think, an extra time. But they look like, the problem is they look like good subs at the time. It wasn't like, sure. I, didn't look, I didn't look at those subs and go, oh, that's terrible. It's very easy to second guess ourselves. My concern actually with the 3-4-3, three, because three, I think actually looking at it, the first half was a real problem because it gave France so much frantic work to do and it never had to be that way. And you saw Rabiot playing as a left wing back, but he wasn't fully confident to get forward. Anyone that's watched Rabiot for Juventus, bombing on. He scored one of the goals of the season when he was cutting wide and went for it. But it was almost like he didn't feel, to use the French phrase, that he had truly sort of carte blanche to go for it. Because he, if, you've got wing, if you've got wing backs, they have to rampage. It's like, if you're Hulk, you have to smash. And they weren't really sure if they should be smashing. So you had this weird kind of amorphous, sludgy 3-4-3. Three, three. It was really like a back five and no one yeah. was really getting forward. Yeah, if that makes sense. So I think the game, weirdly, the tone was set in the first 45 because it allowed Switzerland to become far more brave than maybe they had a right to become. I guess, Ryan, we, we should probably, we should give Switzerland some credit here. It's it, Often when a, a, a giant falls, we, we just examine that collapse instead of what, what the David did to the Goliath, you know? And I think we have yeah. to give Switzerland a lot of credit here, right? Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of, uh, I mean, possession-wise, it was, what, 54% France, 46% Switzerland, a bit lower on the XG. It was like 2.1, I think, Switzerland were. France were like 3.38. But it was really mainly that, like, 15, 20-minute spell through the France goals that they, well, not even really that, because they had the two or three minutes where they got the, the two Benzema goals. And then they kind of dropped off again. And then, um, no, sorry, I'm, I'm remembering that wrongly. They, they had that good period where all of a sudden they kind of came alive. It, I think it right. started when, that, when Pogba did that like rollover, foot roll on the ball. It was almost, I actually tweeted about it. It was like almost like that was, that was a prearranged secret signal for everyone to go turbo. And France kind of just <laughs> went turbo after that. And then it, obviously that period kind of came to an end with Pogba's goal, which was amazing and I'm really pleased for him because I think he 
up to this point, I think there's a massive case for him to be made, uh, a massive case to be made for him being the best player in the tournament so far. Mm-hmm. And now, but obviously now he's out. Definitely the most consistent performer for France. Yeah, yeah, but in terms of consistency in this game, I think that Switzerland were probably, I don't think they hit the highs that France hit, but they were more, I think, more consistent or operating on a more consistent level over the whole 120 minutes because I think France's first half was so weird and yeah. so like it was just the, the, before, when they were, when they initially started with the back three it just everything just looked wrong and I think that when Deschamps Deschamps t- tweaked it a little bit and moved Kimpembe out to left back formation wise it looked okay but still personnel wise it just didn't really seem to fit right and I know they've got problems with like Hernandez I assumed would have been okay for maybe a half but he wasn't they said he would have been back for the quarter final but even then you're kind of thinking, why shift Kimpembe out there? If you're going to shift anyone out there at that back three, you'd probably shift Longley out there because Kimpembe and Ferran have played together as a back two pretty much the whole tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're just all, I think, so sorry to, but I think you could, I think the thing that's happened in this tournament, we've talked about it a lot on Stadio, and I think we've mentioned on Wright's House as well, is how like there are good teams in this tournament. I don't think there are a huge amount of great teams, but the good teams who are maybe under the tournament favourites are all pretty well organised. Mm-hmm. And that has given them an extra 10, 15% that has allowed them to kind of, you know, Czech Republic against Netherlands, for example, people probably wouldn't have fancied that result. Right. Just just on, on name appeal at all, like in general, you'd probably just be like, oh, I fancy the Dutch, You're right. Yeah, so maybe the high, they can't reach the absolute highs of France when, or like someone like France when France are clicking, but they can maintain a certain level because of that lack of expectation, maybe, if that makes sense. Hey, Musa, you know, there's an interesting question here or a statement in the chat, which yeah. is about um, basically tournament management, which is ultimately the main job that a, a, a Deschamps or whoever a manager has is managing your team throughout the stages of, of getting ready for and then playing group stages and going to a knockout. And, Ian Curran said, I wonder if the philosophy of slowly easing your way into a tournament has taken a massive hit tonight. France looked like they couldn't stay in high gear. feels like they needed more time. What do you think of that? I think it's very easy to second guess yourself after you go out. Right. Um, Not that I'm, I say the statement is wrong. Don't get me wrong. It's more like there are teams that come in hot and go out, right? Mm -hmm. The Dutch did that in 2008. There are teams that come in slow like Argentina did in 2002 World Cup and they go out. And there are teams that come in complacent like France in World Cup 2002 and they go out. Like, this is the thing with tournaments. This is the, like, you look at the Switzerland team, they aren't clowns. Mbolo, Shakiri, Chaka, Frula, Elvedi, Akanji, Rodriguez. These people are experienced. Some are sort of, they, they know, the, the reason why this is such an awful matchup for France is that their games are not, strangers to switzerland this was like greece winning 2004 not that mm-hmm. this this switzerland side i think is a better side than greece actually in terms of individual challenge but it's a one where there are no mysteries and these are always dangerous matches i remember looking at this and actually the first half i looked at this and i felt the same i was like watching safarovic score against Longley, watching the way they exposed space watching the way that's that also the closed so they exposed space in the france half and closed space in their own half switzerland i thought to myself they know exactly what the movements are. Everyone knows that Mbappé likes pulling wide like that. Just isolate him, 
and, and surround him with three people. Rather like, I talked about this before, like Anthony Martial for Liverpool. Everyone's seen that move so often, him peel wide, but they're like, yeah, we know you're Mbappe. We're going to double, triple team you. We don't care how it looks. And this is the beauty of being a team without too many star names in quotes. No one minds doing the dirty work. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. No one minds doing that. So tournament management, yes, it's definitely a thing. One thing I would say, one thing I will be slightly critical of is both Spain and France, that failure to close out the last few minutes of normal time is going to haunt them both to varying degrees. Yeah. Because when all is said and done, there was no good reason for a concession of the ball by Pogba in just narrowly in the other half to lead directly to a goal. The systemic failure that led from one midfielder losing possession to a goal for Switzerland should haunt France. Yeah, I'm because, sure it will. Because, because, that, because that shouldn't happen and that shouldn't have happened to Spain either against Croatia. And I, I think this for this group of players, like that, this is an opportunity to be holders of to be World Cup and Euro holders, and that that doesn't happen very often. You know what I mean? It's it's the chance to really separate themselves and mark themselves as a great team. We all know how talented France is. They're t talented. France's B team could beat most A teams across the globe, but it this this is real missed opportunity for them. I think. Yeah, I mean, saying that though, I think one of the things I thought was really interesting that I think the the most key substitution of the entire of the entire game was Kevin Mbappé. I think like Kevin Mbappé coming on for Switzerland, just I mean, he also, I thought he was absolutely brilliant when he came on. If you look at who France brought on, con considering the you know like we've, we've talked about their depth, there wasn't really anyone who seemed to galvanise France. Whereas I think Switzerland subs seemed to do that. Um, I thought Mbappé caused. I mean, he's been brilliant this season for Wolfsburg anyway. Yeah, and um, I think he's the kind of player that you don't really want to. <laughs> it's like he's just not someone to face in extra time when you're absolutely knackered. It's just not he's not the guy. Um, but yeah, I think that was one thing that I thought was quite. In I'm not sure if it was intriguing or if it really says too much, but like for all of the talk of depth, there wasn't a lot that Deschamps seem to do or seem to try but for me the, the i think just the 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 lack of fluidity that that decision of playing rabio at like left wing back yeah rabio's couple people in the comments are just like what well, the rabio thing was just kind of it was just a bit it was just a bit like why it kind yeah. of reminded me a little bit of like the had the same kind of vibe of like man city leon in the champions league in 20 well, I get, yeah, it was last year, but not last season, season before. You know, where you kind of just like, why now? Mm. You know, why yeah. now and why these opposition? I just think that France took so long to get into gear that I think that they were already coming, well, they were literally coming from behind in terms of a goal, but I think also psychologically they were a bit like, okay, why this isn't really working at all? And it just, that whole first half was a complete write-off for them. I mean, if you've learned anything from this, it's that Rabiot is not Matridi. Right. Right. This is the problem. He's trying to do the straight swap, but it just wasn't there. You could see it. You could see what Jason was trying to do with Rabio, but it's not. That's not an easy role to play that Matuidi did. Well, different different names being thrown around to replace Deschamps. I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously Zidane is out there. Uh, Wenger also being mentioned in the chat here is pretty interesting. Shout out to the guy. Uh, I believe um, Jordan in the chat. He mentioned a character from one of my favorite French TV shows, The Bureau. 
as a as a possible replacement for Deschamps. Um, <laughs> we should spend a little bit of time talking about that Spain Croatia match before I let you guys go. I know it's really late over there, but no, that fine, was fine. that was a humdinger, <laughs> um, as we like to say over here. What are some thoughts? Sorry, Chris. Can I just can I just touch on something before we move on to that game? Because Ben Davis Jacob just wrote a few words on Pogba's pass to Taram. Do you think his incredible performances will be forgotten after this, this result? I think that's a really key thing to point out. Actually, just before we move on from this game. Yeah, sure. Pogba was absolutely colossal, I think. Yeah, he made some errors, but that whole France team did. And I think that this is this is a tournament that I hope people remember this kind of side of Pogba because there's a, this play has always been there. You just have to make it click. It was there at Juve and it can be there at Manchester United, I think. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we touched on that because I think that's a good point that... Um, uh, who was it, Ben? That Ben made about potentially those performances getting forgotten because of the the overall result. I want to throw this in as well, Ryan. I think this is important. So a lot of people were going, "Oh my god, Pogba's goal celebration! Does that look cocky?" In hindsight, I thought, "Hang on a minute." Like when Lilian Taram, long for the age of social media, scored the '98 World Cup final, he knelt down as if he was like a disciple of. Jesus Christ himself. He literally <laughs> knelt down and point, he pointed to the clouds. This is a man who'd only scored twice in his entire international career and never scored again, right? And both those goals came in the space of half an hour or whatever. Like, and I'm like, Turam did that. Lillian Turam did that. And I'm like, no one was like coming for him. And it was almost like you score a goal that spectacular, take, put your, three, your team three one up. You're going to celebrate in extravagant fashion. But for Pogba, this is why it was so important he scored his penalty because he'd never have heard the end of it. And it would have, it, when the weird thing was, it would have been that celebration. That celebration would have been, you were so cocky when you scored and that's why France lost. No, France lost because of a series of systemic failures and because Switzerland executed the game plan to absolute perfection and were astonishing in every single part of the pitch and refused to be intimidated. That's why France lost. Right. But I could easily see when Pogba lost the ball, the same as the Ginola Gen- the moment in the 1990 um four World Cup qualifiers, he loses the ball against Bulgaria, Bulgaria's score, and Ginola basically becomes the kind of scapegoat for all of France's failures. And I could just see that kind of sliding doors moment before he stepped up to the spot. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ryan, because I just want, we need to put a marker down and be like, what he contributed this this tournament was extraordinary. And that has to be, that has to be like noted. Yeah, also, I feel- shout I- for Benzema's touch as well. Oh, Benzema's touch was unbelievable. Oh my gosh. The, uh, science, science fiction, yeah. A couple of, um, oh, Matt with a really great comment, Durant-esque legacy performance from Pogba. I know that I have a lot of uh, casual football fans who mm. are friends who uh, texted me during the match to just sort of, he's, it, Pogba's the kind of player who, if you are not an obsessive soccer fan or football fan and you watch him once, it jumps out off the field. You're just like, oh, who is this guy? I can recognize that he is something really special, which I think is 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 a sign of a great player when you can kind of trans translate from across across a sport. Dude, anyone who wears a shooting sleeve scores a goal like that and then does the mellow three celebration. <laughs> <laughs> that was sick. Leave him alone. Can I, can I can I actually put this in here? I actually think he's Doctor J. I don't think he's uh, I don't I, I don't I don't think he's Durant because if you look at like the combination of style icon and elite player who maybe didn't win as many championships as the talent warranted if that makes sense but when yeah. they won that but they had a defining like Pogba Dr J's triumphs were defining it was like he, he, 
if you're if you're a classic artist, you don't need to drop one, more than one classic album. That makes sense. So I feel like Pogba's Dr. J of he's the Dr. J of uh, of football. There, I said it. There's a hot take for you. <laughs> so we we could talk about Spain, Croatia, but I also think we could spin it forward to what we have with England, Germany tomorrow. I know tomorrow is much sooner for you guys than it is for me, yeah, so yeah. I won't keep you much longer. But no, it's cool. It's cool. Who's, whose tournament is it to lose now? You know, as we've seen these these sort of maybe pre-tournament favorites go down. We've seen some other pre-tournament favorites not play up to snuff. You've got Italy maybe coming down to earth a little bit. We're still waiting for England maybe to achieve takeoff, <laughs> to achieve liftoff. Ryan, who do you think, who's in the driver's seat? Is there a driver? Is there a car? I think so much rides on that England-Germany game at the moment. Mm. Mm. I think in the, I mean, I had, um, obviously I, it changed because of the way that the group stages had. But in my ringer, in the ringer survey originally, I had France Spain, uh, France Spain final. Um, obviously, that wasn't going to happen when they landed in the same side of the draw anyway. So, I will probably stick with Spain going through to the final from that side of the draw. Mm-hmm. I think that the, those two, those those pre, those last two games, I think have just shown Spain that they actually can obviously score goals which I think was the main criticism that a load of people focused on I wouldn't say it's theirs to lose necessarily because it could be you could say Belgium you could say Italy you could say Spain you could say Germany you could say England so it's really tricky man it's really really tricky I think also because there were just so many variables at play with injury and you've seen like how all of a sudden just, you know, like Coman came on, Coman went off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now, if someone's like, you have to say someone, I think I would probably lean towards Spain just because I think they can, I think they have the ability to control games in a way that maybe other sides don't mm. at the moment. Uh, especially with Belgium's fitness issues as well yeah yeah musa can i get a denmark team of destiny uh yes you can you can actually because i was looking at the denmark team actually a lot of people in the chat saying that well it's funny because the only thing missing from that team to make them a championship team as a front runner is actually christian erickson that's the irony of it like even without even without any of the things that happen like erickson basically is the final piece that elevates them to a front runner but funnily enough this way because they're so compact and they've got goals in them, they're actually a more dangerous proposition because people won't see them coming necessarily. Now, it's funny with Denmark too, because I think that, if you look at that side of the draw, I think that Sweden are a horrible matchup. If if England beat Germany, weirdly enough, Sweden are a horrible match. They're really, because Sweden are, Sweden are excellent. They understand England's game very, very well. Their back four is settled. Defensively, they're, they're locked in and they can be aggressive in attack if needed. Um, I think Denmark, it's, it's, it's all about this thing. It's all about matchups. Like France-Switzerland was a horrible matchup. Like, because Switzerland could be, um, the moment France did anything remotely chaotic, Switzerland would pounce on it. Same with Czech Republic, Netherlands. The moment Netherlands opened any sign of weakness, the Czechs are ready, right? And I think the same is true of that half of the draw. Like Denmark... There's no reason why they can't go on to the final. There isn't at this point because they've got, this is the thing, everyone has the tools, Chris. Yeah. And yeah. also here, crucially, no one has the fear. The significance of Hungary, Hungary basically took a battering ram to everyone's credibility. 
No, to me, it's like one of those movies, it's like one of those like martial arts movies where someone finally draws, draws blood from the champion. Right. And they, they don't lose that fight, but that fight, everyone's like, oh my goodness. It shows the them that they're vulnerable, right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And the next morning, you've got 500 ninjas at the front door. That's what it's like. And this is what's happened in this tournament. I have to tell you, with tomorrow's match, which a lot of people in the chat are asking about, there's a lot of people in this chat asking for the for Musa to drop the Zlatan take, which is... <laughs> what, 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 It'll never work the, again. What's, 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 the, what's the Zlatan take? Sorry, I don't even... You, it's your take. It says, Chris, ask Musa for the Zlatan take. And earlier on, it's like, Chris, get Musa to say the Zlatan take. I don't know what this is. It's listen, it's the black tongue of Mordor. It can never be spoken. <laughs> it can never be spoken. <laughs> okay, but for England Germany tomorrow, uh I am I, going into this. I I'm I'm rooting for England uh for family reasons of, and just for for just pure for content purposes, I guess. England nothing but content. And uh I honestly don't know which two teams are gonna show up tomorrow because if anything, these these matches today showed us is you might wake up on on whatever side of the bed you wake up on and just be a completely different football football team in in, in a quarterfinal match or in a round of 16 match rather so i i i, I you could tell me that england win 4-1 or lose 5 nothing and i would believe either one of those things it's 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 kind of drumming up my anticipation just because i don't even know how to predict what's going to happen tomorrow yeah i mean in the right house uh, preview we did for the euros like i said germany could either go out of the group or win the whole thing and I don't right. think that's really changed. I really don't. I think you've seen flashes of both sides of Germany. I think that it's going to be the thing I'm really interested in is to see how. I think an early goal for Germany would be probably the best thing for the game, actually, because I think it will make England come out. Um, but I'm with you, Chris. I I can't pick a winner from this, and that. I, there are a few results that would probably surprise me from tomorrow. Just out of curiosity, because, you know, I'm here in, in L.A. where the Clippers are playing tonight for a playoff game. And, you know, things are sort of, you know, getting a little bit back to normal. But is, can you guys detect that it's a tournament, a summer tournament in Germany at all? Does it feel at all like, you know, people are excited for a match tomorrow? I can. People yeah. are pretending they aren't. People are pretending. My German friends are pretending they're not excited about England and Germany, but they are, and they're a little <laughs> bit scared. You can you can see in the chat because the responses to the questions are, oh yeah, they're like they're too casual, and I can tell my German friends are being too casual, and this is what's happening in the chat. It's definitely a thing. They're hyped. Um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna let you guys go, but I do want to ask you one quick question. Who you got tonight, Clippers? Clippers or Suns? Suns. <laughs> To quote that dude ended up being a meme. Sons in four. <laughs> well, so oh they've already had four, so they've got to do they've got to do five, haven't they? Because it's three one. That guy looked like he might be at home in a football match, honestly. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I was going to say, man, before we before we, you kick us out, can we can we just really really quickly just throw some love on Pedri? Oh my gosh! Somebody in the chat was speaking of all the NBA stuff. Somebody in the chat compared Pedri to Trey Young in terms of the uh, 
meteoric rise that he has had in this tournament um well i yeah i tweeted about it earlier it was just like it's, it, even though it's very very strange saying this about a barcelona player but this tournament does feel like petri's gone mainstream and you know we've mentioned it on stadio numerous times about like, the episode but what really wasn't long after his debut where we were kind of like dude you know what it was it was like some Iniesta in there and we were just like <laughs> I don't want to say this but then it's it's happened so often since that it's just become not even a hot take he has performed so unbelievably well for Barcelona all season to the point where Barcelona fans can't actually believe that they got him so cheap off, off uh, Las Palmas like it was such a steal it's probably the best piece of transfer business that Barcelona have done in fucking years and um the thing i i think in the the, the sweden game I, I i wrote something saying that like it's 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 kind of wild that's that pedro is starting in an international tournament for spain already but at the same time it's really not like he broke today he broke wayne rooney's record for being the youngest player to feature in a knockout stage in the euros and very much like a couple of other younger players around europe i, I think two england boys are in that like jude bellingham Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bukayo Saka and also maybe Jamal Musiala kind of just they've passed every single test that they've had in front of them I've used that line a couple of times in the stadium he's just amazing he's just yeah. amazing Can I throw this? he's like Can I? He's, he, he's got like a, he's got he's got he's, he's like he's this is going to sound like a hugely massively over the top hype thing but he, it's almost like you're watching Iniesta's brain in the younger body sometimes I think wow do you know what's funny? I want, to throw, yeah, I want to throw this in. First of all, the comparison I draw with uh, Pedri is actually more like Rajon Rondo, 08 um, oh, Celtics run. Yeah. That's what yeah. that's what he reminds me of, like in terms of just seeing the game and like the respect he commands and that they'll allow him to take control. You remember like Rondo at certain stretches, they'd be like, the kid has got it because they knew that he had the brain for it. The other thing I want to say from this match specifically, there was an amazing moment, I think, in the second half, late in the second half where Pedri got the supreme compliment of the match, which is Modric looking across. Like before Modric makes a move, he's looking for Pedri. Almost like an anxiety, not an anxiety because it's Modric, but like Modric was playing like Pedri when Pedri was a fetus. You know, it was actually like, that was, <laughs> that was yeah. happening. That was happening. Yeah. That was actually happening. Like, you know, he was a, a fetus. There's 17 years difference, right? Right. There's that difference. So, so what was, what was, what was magical about this watching Modric and there was an amazing, so Modric is watching for Pedri and then Pedri, Modric gets the ball off the, off the um, goalkeeper and is looking up the field, who is the first person pressing him after 80 odd minutes, sprinting down the pitch, outpacing other wingers and whatever is Pedri. And those two were like always drawn to each other. It's like that scene at the end of uh, Dark Knight Rises when Batman and Bane find each other in the crowds. You know that yeah. one? When they're like, there's yeah. a thousand like, people. Move. Yeah. And, and they find each other. It was like that. I loved this. When Modric flattened him, it was like when Bane found Batman in the crowd. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Whoa. Like can Modric ask, flattening ask... Pedri was a problem. Yeah. I yeah. want to ask you guys one more question. You know, if there was a theme to a lot of the questions and a lot of the comments that we saw in the chat tonight, which, by the way, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us wherever you are. I know it could be late where you are, but no, a lot push. of stuff about, hey, does Pogba need to move teams? Does Mbappe need to move teams? And who replaces? I think always when it, whenever we see a tournament, it it feels like a real like springboard to transfer rumor discussion or transfer discussion. But do you think that that's an is that an overcorrection? I mean. Mbappe missing a penalty shot 
in a tournament does not mean he needs to leave PSG and go to Madrid or <clears throat> go to Liverpool or wherever he may or may not want to go. And, you know, in the same case for Pogba, where it's like, yeah, we may really love watching him play with France, but moving from United is not necessarily going to make Pog- French France national team Pogba show up on his club team, right? Like, do you think that there's a false correlation between... I saw this in a tournament, so we need to like facilitate a move so that this person becomes a different player for his club squad. Ryan, they should just bring that entire French squad to PSG. They're like one of the only clubs, who, they're like one of the only clubs who could afford it. Just bring them all. Like genius. That is a really good idea. I don't know what they're doing, messing around with Ramos and like, <laughs> yeah. Bring them all over. Why not? Yeah. You know, similar, similar, similar color home kit as well. They'll all have a lovely time. I think actually. If the performance in the tournament is symptomatic of what was leading up to that point, then there has to be a move or a change, if that makes sense. So for example, if you look at Fabregas, Fabregas, World Cup 2010, and then moving to Barcelona, I think it was. Right. And people were trying to recruit him. A lot of people criticized the Fabregas move. This is a bit of a hot take. I don't think it was actually the wrong move. I think it's because it, for the first part of that move, it looked really, really good at Barca. It didn't quite work out in the end for Fabregas, but I thought it was brave to try it. And there was also a sense that Fabregas had got to a certain point in his career where he maybe wanted to try a new challenge or whatever, like it wasn't a problem. So I think there's always a danger with a big tournament of drawing the wrong conclusions from a dramatic result. Sure. So a lot of people look at the Miami Heat run to the finals last year and be like, oh, they were just rubbish because it's a bubble. No, they weren't. They navigated those circumstances really, really well. And maybe they all peaked at the same time and all those young players played with freedom. And maybe actually now the rest of the league just kind of caught up and took their heads off because everyone comes for you. Because obviously the Miami Heat this year have had everyone's best game, which they didn't get last year. Sure. sure. So it's very, it's very, very easy to draw the wrong conclusions. All I would say is to anyone considering a move, just think to yourself, is the outcome of this tournament, is how the tournament ended consistent with the previous 18 months of my career? If it is, right. then move. If it's not, then, then stay put. Guys, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This was awesome. It's always a thrill talking with you with you two. Uh, everybody should be subscribed to the Ringer FC feed where you can get Stadio and you can get Righty's House and you can hear these lovely gentlemen throughout the Euros. They're doing amazing work and you can also catch up on their writing on theringer.com. Uh, thanks to everybody on Green Room for joining us and, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. See you later. Bye.